So I think you'll hopefully appreciate the circumstances under which this is happening. I'm in Vermont right now. I don't know if you've heard the news, but it's in a state of emergency right now. Oh, no. Yeah. So I woke up this morning and I immediately contacted everyone involved whose info I had and said, I might be evacuating. I don't even know what's happening. (laughs) Um, Oh, my God. People are. No, it's flooding. Crazy flooding. Jeez. But uh, no, not at all, man. It made this much more exciting for me. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, thanks for doing this. No problem. When the list was uh, sent over. To be honest with you, I knew very well the other four selections had no idea who Bombino was. So I said, let's go with Bombino. Yeah, yeah. I had the syndrome when you walk into a record shop and you kind of forget who you listen to. They're like, pick five to 10 artists. And I was like, "Uh, I know I've done this because lately it's been kind of like songs and get a little obsessed with like singular records. But the dive through the discography was a big deal for me because I always think it's fun to see how things progress as artists go on. Welcome to Discography, the podcast that gives Gen X music maniacs a chance to smell like teen spirit again by connecting with a brotherhood obsessed with rating the entire discography of every single artist and band that ever mattered. I'm your host, Dave Gebro, and with three new episodes each week, you're going to gain a comprehensive knowledge of an act's history and output in the time it takes to listen to one album. And in this episode, we'll be turning our spray cans on Bambino! Along with our very special guest, Dennis Ryan, drummer for rock and roll flag hoisters, Deer Tick. Look, if you know, then you know. But if you don't, then you ain't going nowhere. Because finally, here's your chance to stop embarrassing yourself around friends that you give a shit about when the subject of Bombino comes up. Tonight's artist was dubbed the world's best guitarist by the music blog Noisy and the Sultan of Shred by the New York Times. But his songwriting's arguably just as impressive as his shred style. He's the first Nigerian artist to be nominated for a Grammy, and some of his best work was actually recorded in a dry riverbed in the African bush. Okay, first things first, you need to know just how seriously I take this craziness. Discography is a music obsessive's dream come true. The guest and I explore an artist or band's entire discography in a futile but valiant attempt to reach a higher truth, which often is cleverly disguised as a nerdy compendium of star ratings and lists. The show's heavily researched searched and the music is always reassessed with fresh ears we don't just cover albums uh-uh we do a searingly honest deep dive analysis of all eps singles comp tracks relevant solo work and sometimes bootlegs and live stuff every release is slapped with an objectively accurate star rating between zero and five which allows us all the real reason we do this the tootsie pop reward at the center of the rock and roll lolly to come face to face with the true shape of an artist's overall arc Coming up, we've got Corey Hansen from Wand rating everything he's ever done, an interview with Testament's lead guitar shredder Alex Skolnick, Mike Watt rating the entirety of the Minutemen's output, Mark Robinson from Unrest rating everything he's ever done, Robert Schneider from the Apples in Stereo rating everything he's ever done, and Will Hart from the Olivia Drummer Control rating everything they ever did. Oh, and Michelle Phillips rating everything she's ever done, alongside Mamas and Papas author Richard C. Campbell, who's written a brand new book about him getting kind of itchy so don't miss out 
Open up your listening app right now and subscribe. And for premium membership benefits that'll make you ask yourself, how is it even humanly conceivable that this is all the work of one man and one man alone, just visit patreon.com slash discograffiti. We've got 100 episodes available exclusively on Patreon, and that number, as well as the Discograffiti inner circle, is growing exponentially by the day. That's patreon.com slash discograffiti. And away we go then. Pure authenticity and talent to burn turned, well, you'll have to stand by as we glean what, if anything's been lost, in an attempt to broaden Bombino's appeal. But first, let's introduce our guest for today. Back in 2007, tonight's guest was the first mother effer that John McCauley asked to join Deer Tick when John decided he was out of the overdubbing game once and for all and formed a band to go along with that band name. John made out like a bandit and got the guy's bass slapping brother in the deal too. So here we've got the rare case of a fraternal rhythm section hoisting this gaggle of distorto crunch twang rock mainstays way the fuck up on high. Hailing from Pawtucket, Rhode Island, a town those in the know referred to as the great rock and roll hope for an otherwise bleak, bleak rock and roll future. This here fella also gladly lets go the sticks from time to time to grab pen and paper because he's more than capable of pumping out the tunes all on his lonesome. Lads and ladies out there in the perspiration streaked byways of rock and roll's funky drummer summer, will you please throw a television set out of your hotel window? Unless, of course, they went and put you on the first friggin' floor. It's Deer Tick's Hard Rock TikTok, Dennis Ryan. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. Thank That's you. Great. I appreciate you coming on, man. This actually is Funky Drummer Summer, by the way, because I'm sure you know who Jim Gordon is. Oh, yeah. Totally. Joel Selvin, the amazing music scribe, just wrote a book about Jim, the first biography. It's coming out in February. And next month, we're doing a, a double episode on the rise and the fall. Oh, man. Yeah, I look forward to that. What a story, unfortunately. And <laughs> yeah. what a drummer. I don't know a deep dive of it. So I'm, like I said, I'm looking forward to that. You are actually from Rhode Island, which is pretty close to where I currently am. And I told you, it actually, I think, makes poetic sense that a lot of the best material that tonight's artist recorded was recorded in a dry riverbed and yeah. I'm right now in a state of emergency and flooding conditions <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so the artists that your management had passed on to me as candidates to dive into because I really don't like you know I don't like to give anyone homework I, I do so much homework it should just yeah. be you guys showing up but you had a list of Dr. John Harry Nelson NRBQ, Steely Dan, and some guy named Bambino. For sure. And by the way, this is my thoughts, some guy named Bambino. So Dr. John Harry Nelson, NRBQ, and Steely Dan, I know like the back of my hand. So what I've been turning over in my mind is, you know, I am a dyed-in-the-wool music geek. I remember once buying The Carpenter's Greatest Hits and Dr. Dre's 2001 yeah. at the same time. And not even, <laughs> I only realized when I left the store, wow, this is a weird couple of records to buy together <laughs> but i take it for granted that other people don't listen to music that way so what i was kind of doing without even thinking about it or consciously acknowledging it was trying to be an avatar for the kind of listener that i have who dips in and out if they don't know a band they won't listen to it where the whole idea is to allow yourself to be broadened so before we launch in the, into the Bombino sphere, the quick message for our listeners is that I really do espouse music discovery. And that's coming 
from someone who admittedly is a little provincial, notwithstanding rock and roll. If it's new, it's just like, all right, you're going to have to claw through the folded arms on my chest before I... <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So I really did approach this as a blank slate of discovery. Like, I listened to the music before I did any research. Um, cool. So with the show as a whole, what I strongly recommend is for the listener to get out of the way, let this wash over you, stop dipping in and out based on, oh, I know this, I don't know this, because the rewards will be as it was for me in this episode. So I want to know what Bombino means to you and where and when you discovered him. When Nomad was about to be released in 2013, I think he had signed with Partisan Records, which is the record label that Deer Tick used to be on. So the guys from Partisan Records were like, I think you're going to really like this. You should check this guy out. So Nomad was when I was introduced. And then I was sort of like digging back through to Agadez and Agam Gum. But then like the one that really smacked me in the face was when Azelle came out, we were on tour and we had like some subwoofers in the bus. <laughs> which was very fortunate. And the bass on that, I felt like that record kind of jumping a little bit at first, but just that one really hit like a certain sonic stride for me. I think that's what I really love about this whole discography. It's like you're saying the first stuff is recorded in this dry riverbed. You can hear the crackle of the fire. You hear like some of the... Some Camels. Of the herd making some weird... Yep, so like you hear some animal noises. It paints a vivid picture. And I think that that's very beautiful. And I like how it's developed over time. And, and I was even thinking that when we get back to the most recent studio record, it almost has done a full blossom or something. It's like we still get, we get sort of like the painting of the desert and the atmosphere, but it's in a, like a very new high fidelity way. So yeah, my intro was in 2013 and I think that record's great. What was going on in your life that allowed you to connect with him so deeply? I don't know about going on in my life, but I know that something about the music isn't in English. I feel like allows one to connect like on an emotional level quickly. So if you like, if you click right. something, you don't exactly know what they're saying, but you are picking up on the emotion. That was what was pretty important about it to me is like something about the timbre of his voice, the way he plays guitar resonated deeply within me. And just like I was mentioning, I don't skip any of the songs. It, really kind of envelops me and and takes me to a place and I, I don't want to leave and then all of a sudden the record is like beginning again so something about his music really resonated with me i think that's perfectly said you know in terms of getting the lyrical conceit out of the way because most of the time i don't listen to lyrics unless you're a bob dylan and i want to go on that journey of getting the song's intention stamped in concrete forevermore i would yeah. like to be able to co-opt the meaning of the thing you know i don't really have an opportunity to should i understand what it's about or should i bother to listen to that element of it even with you guys i'm a fan yeah. of your music most of the songs i couldn't tell you what they're about because i'm trying to bring myself to it too and having the words i'm not allowed in in a certain way <laughs> for sure because i can go sort of both ways with lyrical content but i guess what's interesting is if it is something in english maybe i'll like pick up on a word or a few words and then that'll color my interpretation like whether or not i'm like this is exactly what this song is about there are images that i can't help but perceive because of that and so 
with something like Bombino, it's it's complete blank slate, and so the whole thing as an as an entire experience, and the voice is another texture, and and then like to find out what he's talking about sometimes is amazing and really cool, but I'm already invested in it, and insanely profound. I mean, we're talking about like God, po- yeah, political revolutions and war, and and there's a lot of heavy stuff. Yeah, here. extremely so. Most of my research was just trying to come up with synonyms for the word hypnotic because I just didn't want to say that over and over. His music is sung in Thomas. So you're just basically shot directly out of a cannon into pure sonic seduction. It really is just mesmerizing. So before we get into any actual records, this is a section that I affectionately like to call the run-up, which attempts to get us with tremendous economy to the first recorded note in as economical a fashion as possible. So Omara Bambino Mokhtar was born in 1980 in Niger. He's a member of the Ifagas tribe. I'm going to try on some of these pronunciations. If I sound like a fool, please just point and laugh from your home and don't get in touch with me and tell me what an idiot I am. (laughs) (laughs) He's a member of the Ifagas tribe, which belongs to the Kelair Tuareg Federation. Following the outbreak of the Tuareg Rebellion in 1990, Bambino, uh, his dad and grandma were forced to flee to, to Algeria for safety. During that time, relatives who were coming out to visit him left behind a guitar, and Bambino began to teach himself how to play. I guess, well, he's 10 years old, but that's kind of late for somebody who's this good at guitar. Yeah, yeah. He later studied with a renowned Tuareg guitarist named Haja Bibi. Bibi asked him to join his band. That's where he got the nickname Bambino. So while he was in Algeria and Libya when he was a teenager, Bambino and his friends were watching videos of Jimi Hendrix, Mark Knopfler, I think Santana was in there just to learn their styles. He worked as a musician and a herder in the desert near Tripoli. And then by 1997, Bambino had returned to Agadez and began life as a professional musician. Phase one, living with a band down by the river. 2007 to 2013. I'm sorry, I had to get in the Chris Farley reference. Uh, (laughs) His first album, 2009's Group Bambino, guitarist from Agadez Volume 2, So the background of that is a filmmaker named Hisham Mayet tracked down and recorded Bambino and his electric band, which was called Group Bambino, during a wedding performance. So that recording takes up one side of the vinyl release of this. Um, Then the A side contains acoustic performances in what he calls the dry guitar style. Now, just in case you're an atheist, all your beliefs about God will be confirmed because this is a masterpiece and it's the only thing that's not available on streaming services (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty crazy yeah i was really excited to dive into it this is the first time that you heard this one right yeah i had i was unaware of this one and like you say you can find it on Bandcamp or or vinyl i guess so you had heard everything but this yeah so what was um, that like i mean oh it's incredible especially i think that some of the like that first half the acoustic half could like that tenere i kept going back and forth especially the tenere two guitars i think is on a gam gam as well right that's another thing i love about the discography is there are things that pop up throughout it and you get to witness their evolution as well so i'd heard some of the acoustic stuff but what's really cool is what you're saying is this wedding recording man there's some like blazing drums on that obviously the, the guitar is phenomenal the whole way 
kept coming to my mind was like it's it's like a snapshot it's like it might just be a stereo recording of the band at the wedding it's not overdubbed or anything but it's just like you get that raw feeling of the performance and the blend of the band that's happening in the space it was really exciting for me to to hear that and he's interesting the first few records he's reusing and reconstituting songs and it doesn't feel self-indulgent it's almost like the song is a vehicle for different kinds of emotions that can conceivably course through it totally so this particular go at Tenere, from the first note, I was completely won over. And it's funny because once in a blue moon, an artist will craft their own platonic ideal right out of the gate, first song, first album. And I feel like that's what he did here. It's perfect. Down to the camel grunting and everything. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm so on board with this. And I'm yeah. not the only one. My wife, you know, we can't get enough of this. The whole side's like that. Imuhar, more the same, just perfect. Yep. And then it sets up these strange expectations and you know interesting things that we'll get into later on involving cultural assimilation and what yeah. one feels like they need to do to make things cross over when really that outside recording setup is so intrinsically perfect for his work yeah. that if you start here as opposed to what most people will do because of the availability it's impossible not to at least have thoughts about how studios just ruin the spot-on perfection of moments <laughs> like this happening again yeah yeah, no, and then that was cool about the live record too, is because one of the things that I love off that record is that Bogasa song, because mm -hmm. um, that pops up too. There's like yeah. pieces of that and Akhar Zaman, and then on Agamgam, there's uh, Ahar Azaman. And those three, I feel like, whether you call them the same song, but they've got lineage there, which I think is really cool. But that Bogasa at the live in Amsterdam 2020, so that's like 11 years later or something, like hearing how his current band plays that, it's like faster. But that riff is just like, I can't get enough of that riff. Is there anything that this is redolent of for you? I'm curious if, if it brings to mind anything else that you know and love. When the side flipped or, you know, it went over yeah. into Bogasa, the lazy reference point would be Felicuti. Sure. You know, I think most Western Caucasians, and, and I'm not a hell of a lot different, I'm ashamed to say, I don't have a gigantic frame of reference when it comes to music from that region. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but Remain in Light, it's almost like if Felicuti was fronting Remain in Light era talking heads. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> I think that's really cool. There's a specific riff that's playing in my head that I can't play, so I'm not going to talk about it. But I think like when it first hit me, like when I was little, Jimi Hendrix was a big deal for me. So it's funny, like, you know, that that's something that they were digging on but it hit me emotionally in that way obviously like if you compare their guitar playing you're not going to be like oh okay one for one like that makes sense to me but there's something just like emotionally that hit me in that spot for when i was a kid the way that the guitar is singing and you could hear jimmy speaking through his guitar and i feel like that's the same for bombino like he's connected to his instrument in a deep deep way and i don't hear him thinking when he's right. playing I, I feel like he's just speaking but it's coming through his fingers. That kind of ability to go straight from brain to finger. Yeah. Um, it must be an insane thing to grapple with, to have that kind of talent. So he's certainly making the most of it. I mean, whatever setting you put that guitar in, you can't ruin it. The only other thing that I hadn't been familiar with was that Residente thing, not to jump too far, but yeah, um, yeah. but that struck me in a similar way that you um, opened my eyes to like a different collaboration. But like you say, like you can't mistake who it is. I cannot possibly recommend this strongly enough. It sounds captured under the burning sun, by the riverside, under the baking sun, and played in the dirt. Definitely five stars for me. There's not a single song that I don't think is great. Yeah. 
What do you give this one? Honestly, I would give it five stars too. I, I'm kind of like trying to figure out how to be critical <laughs> of, a, of a lot of this stuff. I, I got a couple that might be four. I don't know. Oh, it's okay. Just be honest, whatever it is. No, I'd say it's a five-star recording, man. I, uh, I can be harsh on things, you know, but honestly, there's nothing that he produced that I think is less than good. So uh, moving on from absolute perfection, Bombino then joined Tidot, a band by Nigerian musician Hasso Akote, which led to his first time in North America because the band was brought to perform in an exhibit of Tuareg art organized by the Cantor Center for Visual Arts. So in January 2010, Bambino returned home to Agadez. It had been torn asunder by civil war. So that's another large reason why he left. And to celebrate the end of the conflict that had erupted while he was away, a large concert was organized at the base of the Grand Mosque in Agadez. And Bambino and his band played to over a thousand people at the concert i would think like five hundred thousand, but okay a thousand all all dancing and celebrating the end of the struggle and that footage was recorded for the documentary that you saw agadez the music and the rebellion yeah i was gonna say that footage is pretty powerful it's really cool can you tell me about that because i was obviously a lazy piece of shit and didn't get around to watching that (laughs) (laughs) no no it's again like if it weren't for this interview and show i wouldn't have discovered the documentary myself either so it was awesome he's coming back like you say, they want to celebrate the fact that they can be free in their city. You see a lot of the community building the stage, bringing over bricks and bricks, and like they build up this little stage and they cover it. I guess he had to get permission from the Sultan. And then, yeah, they set it up and like everyone's super pumped, obviously. It's an incredible scene, dancing, the music is amazing. There's like a, there's a lot of really cool direct interactions between people dancing and Bombino, where like you, you can see he's playing to their dancing mm. and they sort of like are reacting to him and he's like giving it back. What is the dancing like? Is it like the Grateful Dead flower dance? How do you dance to that? Really? Uh, yeah, maybe a little, I guess it's a little, I could see it being akin to the flower dance, if you will. Like there was one guy that I really liked his kind of style and he sort of had his arms up and spread and he was moving his wrists around and, and bobbing his shoulders. And I was kind of like, that is how it moves me in a way. But this one that I'm thinking of, like that's very vivid in my mind was like an older dude and he would step towards him. And when he would step towards him, Bambino would kind of like play to that. And then he would step back and then they would like sort of match each other's rhythm. And that was really fun to Nice, nice. But then towards the end of it, he's on somebody's shoulders playing guitar and like there's no more space between the crowd and the stage and everything's just like an absolute joyful celebration with everyone just like there's no division between band and participants or it's, it's like it's pretty cool. Obviously it would be an extremely emotional experience that like that I guess I can't comprehend but to witness it it's really beautiful. The thing that really stuck out to me really and not to make a huge point of it but a thousand people I would imagine based on the power of his music and the idea that it's aligned to conflict that the whole nation would be there going crazy yeah so I wonder why that is, but in any case, what came next is the first thing that's available on streaming services, and it's actually pretty close to the vibe of the first one. It's 2010's A Gam Gam 2004, and of course, it starts with the same song that the first one started with. You know, you got the animal sounds, crackling fire, buzzing insects, then the hypnotic ringing of an acoustic guitar. It might even be the version from the first record, I don't know, but I don't mind it. The second song, I mean, a bunch of it feels not just redolent but way more than redolent of the first record and I don't mind at all no 
I don't know if this is the first time we see Emidinin, but that one flows through the discography as well. The second time, actually. Is, is, that, this, is it the second time? Is that on the yeah, first one, yeah. too? Yeah, But man, that song is so good. Jesus. It really is. Yeah. 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 And then, like I was mentioning, that uh, Arunafin to Hussein, it kind of seems like that appears as Ahar Azaman on this record, mm-hmm. which is really cool. That's a favorite of mine from one of the later records. I think it's like the best electric opening to a record that I can't think of anything better. I'm sure there are other good records, but on the Izzel record. It's kind of ballsy, it feels to me, unless this is you know, a lot more common to do this in that area of the, of the world. But the first three songs are from the first record. The first three. Yeah. I wish I had gotten a chance to find out the impetus behind that decision, because I find it interesting and my response to it which was not like, oh, here we go, more of the same. But, you know, the little tweaks and the subtle twists on what he'd previously had, it almost feels like you're watching the thing grow over time, like the way a Grateful Dead song would mutate. Man, as you said that, I was kind of chuckling in my head about how you had mentioned the Grateful Dead dancing. Because, yeah, I I feel like about his discography and his body of work that I find myself doing the same thing. It's like the minor changes. I forgot exactly what word you used in the beginning when you, you said you didn't want to keep repeating that. But that sort of like repetition and some like music that can have a drone in it I do really feel like I really enjoy because you can slip into like a little bit of a trance with it and then it's the minor details changing that have a massive impact where a lot of other music or more modern music is all about excitement and just like not shocking you but I don't feel as if we're as encouraged to really slip into a groove or something so I feel that like on a macro level moving throughout the discography like you say when you hear these same songs but it's like that's a different way of approaching it. It ends up meaning more, at least to me, when I go through the discography. And it's, I find that to be really exciting. And not just what you stated, but on top of that, I don't know about you, I've, I've recently been dealing with a lot of anxiety. And this type of music, and specifically Bombino, because it's been mainly what's been coursing through the speakers, it yeah. immediately hits that place where I'm nervous about things and it soothes it for me. And so there's a yeah. practical application for it, for sure. I find that deeply about like Bambino and I don't know if you've ever checked out Tenarowin I do feel it's soothing in this way that like he's singing about pain and strife but there's a strength there that soothes the anxiety there's like a soothing aspect to it and you can sort of like feel that pain but with a strength. My wife's talking about evacuating right now and I'm like yeah. well obviously you're referring to after the interview um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean if you gotta go we can reschedule Hi, I'm Dave Gebro. I threw my career as a licensed hearing instrument specialist in the trash, sold my house, and moved to the East Coast with my wife and four-year-old son in order to focus on making the ultimate podcast for music obsessives thrive. Now I need your help. Although Discograffiti is rated in the top 2% of all podcasts globally, the economics of this thing are tricky. My monthly income at the moment totals a whopping 760 bucks. Becoming a member of Discograffiti's Patreon gives you access to over 100 more episodes and moving forward you'll get up to three shows a week there's the main show every friday wednesday's brand new series the top 10 and monday's wildcard episode which could be anything from interview bonus material our buried treasure show rock Cousteau, our slag off show queasy listening and exclusive limited series like the private press with paul major and if you've got no financial worries to speak of 
Keep in mind that some of the higher Patreon tiers allow you to actually advertise on the show, choose the bands we cover, or even some of the guests we get. For the price of a cup of coffee a week, you can ensure my family's fed, build a music library that'll be the envy of your block, and connect to a thriving community of music maniacs all at the same time. Don't risk feeling badly about yourself by not giving. Patreon.com slash Discograffiti. Once again, that's Patreon.com slash Discograffiti. And now back to our expertly crafted program. We're good right now, but if I lose power, then there's nothing I can do. And you can hear me all right? Yeah. Awesome. All right, good. So another interesting yeah. aspect of this is that Teneri is a signpost to this record. There's three versions. One's the first one, one's the last one, then it's halfway through. So it's this beautiful sort of landmine that keeps reappearing throughout the record. And I really don't have much that I would say I don't love about this. There's a couple songs. I don't think they're quite as good as the rest, Adunia and Tazadert. I think they're a little bit more listless. Yeah. But ultimately, it feels like one unbroken, continuous song almost impossible for me anyway to separate out the tracks and isolate distinctive elements to separate the songs out of my mind but that totally seems like the idea and i love that part of it and the lp's all the better for it i don't really know how exactly this was done that is riverbed versus studio or whatever the circumstances were but it does give off the vibe of being recorded outdoors by a swamp Ultimately, not a five-star for me because of those two tracks. I'd have to say four and a third. Nice. Okay, cool. Honestly, like it's still a five-star for me. I got to put a little bit more of a critical hat on, but something about the transportation of it, like you say... I think that next record we're starting to get into some like more studio recordings and I just yeah being transported to that spot hearing the crackle of the fire it just takes me to a place and funny enough too that Adunia ends up being a track that I like a lot that starts to appear throughout the catalog as well a gum gum that's like the first time we hear that I think my wife just texted me and said that we're, we're evacuating yeah if you got to evacuate you got to evacuate obviously I'll text you and I'm happy to start it back up again at some point i can drop box or something the the stuff i've recorded thus far and then you know what you you know what you're sounding good now let's let's okay let's keep moving okay I'm sorry. It's just actually adding no, cool, an man. element of excitement for me. But uh, uh, sure, <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, like uh, I'm nervous for you. All right, that about does it. A heartfelt discography thanks goes out to my beautiful wife and son, Jen and Mason, Dennis Ryan, not to mention the entire rest of Deer Tick, who compiled their top ten songs that lit a fire under their collective ass for this upcoming Wednesday's Patreon episode. My incredible loyal fans and especially the entire patreon community the soldiers of sound i love every last one of you and this show would not exist without you my friends speaking of friends it's high time for some new ones they're in our facebook group discography soldiers of sound that's the best way to find out what's coming up on the show but there's a hell of a lot more you get recaps of the day in music history the ability to pitch questions to guests polls that put you in the driver's seat on guest and band decisions access to a thriving creative hub if you're looking for a collaborator. In fact, I know firsthand about some very exciting projects coming together because of fellow soldiers who collided in our incredible 
incredible group. Honestly, it's objectively the only worthwhile thing that's come from Zuckerberg's college efforts. So make sure you don't miss out. You can find the link to the Facebook page right there in the show notes. And if you don't mess with the Zuck, no sweat. Just email me at info at discograffiti.com and I'll keep you in the loop. So now that it's done and you want more, another way to dive even deeper into Discograffiti's pantheon of Roots Rock episodes is to start with the band as rated by Thelonious Monsters Bob Forrest. That's episodes 25 and 27. The Replacements, rated by their biographer Bob Mayer, episodes 28 and 29. And of course, as we talked about on the show, as part of Funky Drummer Summer, Jim Gordon, rated by his biographer Joel Selvin. That's episodes 107 and 108. Join us during the upcoming week as we descend down, down, down on Discograffiti's week-long Deer Tick Deep Dive. Of course, if you're a Patreon subscriber, then you already know to keep your ears peeled throughout the week, because this Monday brings a heapin' helpin' of the wildcard episode digressions I aggressively court and then serve up piping hot for our Patreons. And this Monday, we're kicking the week off right with crucial Dennis Ryan bonus material. And then, there's this Wednesday's incredible Patreon only episode of Discograffiti's Top 10. This week's list features the indomitable Joe Kennedy and focuses on our Top 10 songs that lit a collective fire under Deer Tick's ass, which the entire band generously compiled for us to riff on. Make sure you visit patreon.com slash discograffiti and check out the thematically related deep dive as a music obsessive's way of life. Our Patreon's been up and running for a year, and with two bonus episodes a week, reliably posted non-stop, there are over over 100 Patreon episodes at this point. That's an entire universe of incredible material available to you for the price of a cup of coffee a week. And of course, be sure to mark your calendars because next Friday, November 3rd, we're coming at you with part two of Deer Tick's Dennis Ryan rating the entirety of Bombino's catalog. And part two is where everything gets completely batshit crazy. Seeing as it was actually recorded during a flood evacuation, you're going to hear alarms and all kinds of stuff going on in the background and we just kept on recording all the way through it because hey Bombino's music ain't gonna rate itself trust me you're not gonna want to miss it and so from now till then don't let our youth go to waste lads and ladies it's discography graffiti